It's good to have you here this morning and uh, glad that you have made Calvary part of your Sunday experience. Um, I'm, part of the reason I'm glad you're here is because uh, I had a weird dream last night. Um, and I've told you, I shared with you a few weeks ago, even in this series, you know, a dream that was pretty poignant and I thought meant something. So I'm really hoping this dream doesn't mean anything, uh, and it's weird that I can remember it. But I woke up this morning, and I realized that my dream had been that came time for me to preach, and uh, somebody came in to the auditorium and yelled, Justin Bieber is here, <laughs> and everybody left, and they ran out of the parking lot, and I'm like, well, no big deal, they're just greeting Justin Bieber, and then they will bring him into the auditorium, and I will speak, uh, no. For some reason, my son-in-law organized a festival surrounding Justin Bieber, and uh, we had hot dogs, played softball and games, but nobody came back into church, and we also did not take an offering, um, which, uh, you know, kind of put us in a little bit of a bad situation, so I had to actually go to Justin Bieber and ask him for money. Um, so anyways, very weird dream, but glad you're here. Don't think Justin Bieber is going to be here today, so in light of that, we will take an offering at the end. Um, but uh, anyways, I, I don't understand what all that means, but glad you're here, that you're staying. Hopefully, we've got something to say that will make a difference. God has something to say that will make a difference in all of our lives. We are wrapping up a series today called Love God. And it is a series that has been about the letter that John wrote to early church believers he wrote it after he wrote the Gospel of John. So the Gospel of John, his story of the account of his life with Jesus as a disciple, that's the Gospel of John. A few years later, he writes 1 John. He's the last one. He's the last disciple, the last apostle left, and he writes this letter. As we looked at the first week, in chapter 1, he talks about the fact that it's real. It's real. This whole thing about Jesus. It's the real deal. I've seen it. I've touched it. I've experienced it. I've heard it firsthand. It's real. And no matter what you're going through, hang on to the fact that it is real. Jesus is real. You can put your faith, your trust in him. It's real. The second week, we talked about how we needed to rise above and the only way to rise above was love. Rise above with love. There was a lot going on in the time in which John writes. The Jewish people, in fact, some have revolted against the Roman government. That suppression has been brought down militarily. Thousands have been killed. The temple has been destroyed. There's just a lot of dissension amongst the Jewish people and the Romans who now don't trust the Jews. Uh, there's a lot of dissension even in the early church. Some early Christian thought has come in that's not what Jesus intended. People are bringing works into it. People are bringing Gnosticism into it. And John is writing to say, look, the only way to rise above all this is to realize what Jesus said. The way they're going to know that we're his followers is by the way that we love. Not who has the loudest voice, not who argues the most but by the one who loves. And then last week, we talked about remember. And we kind of zeroed in on one scripture verse, and I shared with you some of the experiences of the week that I had had and some of the difficulties that people were going through. And we needed to remember. We needed to remember that God is great. We needed to remember that God is good. 
It is awesome that he has the love and compassion to want to do something for us, but it's even more awesome that he has the power to be able to pull it off. It's one thing to love, but if you don't have any power, it's one thing to have power, but not have any love. But when you have both, that's God. God is great. God is good. Well, today, we want to zero in on chapter four. And you're like, well, wait a second. Aren't there five chapters? Yes, there are. And so what I would encourage you to do is at some point this week, read chapter five, and, uh, and, and you could come up with your own outline as to chapter five and, and how that goes. And you kind of come up with how you would wrap the series up. But I want us to zero in on chapter four. We got bogged down just a little, spirit-led, I think, with just one verse last week, slowed us down a touch. So we're going to zero our finale in on chapter four because John gives to us some things that if we are God followers, if we are people who claim to have a life in Christ, these are some things that are going to make a difference. Uh, Eric, I hate to bother you with this, but I am coming through the monitor and that is what is causing the ring and I can hear myself so very well, which is nice, but uh, I could probably bring that down just a little bit. I would appreciate it. So here we go. We're going to kick into 1 John chapter 4. If you've got your Bible, go there and go with me to verse 4. That's where we're going to start. That's what it says. But you belong to God, my dear children. You've already won the victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Those people belong to this world, so they speak from the world's viewpoint, and the world listens to them, but we belong to God. And those who know God listen to us. If they do not belong to God, they do not listen to us. That is how we know if someone has the spirit of truth or the spirit of deception. First point that I want to give to you, first word you can write down if you're taking notes today, is the word listen. Listen. John has come a long ways now. It's been probably 40 to 50 years since his days of walking, talking with Jesus. So he's been around the block a few times. He has kept faithful to the word of God, faithful to the love of God. He's planted a church. He's been a pastor. He's been a writer. He's been a preacher. He's been part of miracles. He's been with the disciples. He's been by himself. And he gets down near what he knows is the end of his journey. And he has enough spiritual oomph to say, you need to listen. You need to listen. In a relationship, you got to listen. And what is it that God wants? Does God want our religion? No. Does God want our tradition? No. God wants a relationship. It's why he created man to begin with, to give him glory and to be in relationship with himself. And when man, when Adam and Eve disrupted that relationship, immediately God put into place a plan that would bring that relationship back to wholeness. He wanted man, he wanted woman to choose him, to choose to have a relationship with him. He created us with that free will. And in a relationship, you have to learn to listen. If all you do is talk, 
and never listen. It's not much of a relationship. God wants us to listen to him. Listen to what he has to say. Listen to what he has to share. Listen. We listen to the word of God. We listen to the spirit of God. And the reason we listen is so that we can do the will of God. Let me ask you a question. Who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? Are you listening to the voices that come in around you? I mean, in this day and age, with how many hundreds of television stations do you have? How many voices are speaking at you? In this day of social media, you can have thousands of people that are your Facebook friends. How many of those people are you listening to? And we get bogged down sometimes because the voices that we listen to are not the voices we should be listening to. And instead of listening for his voice, which sometimes is spoken in a still and a quiet manner, we are listening to all the other voices, and they are crowding out the voice of God. And we need to listen. When we listen to the word of God, that enables us to understand that the spirit of God is also speaking to us in our lives. And that enables us to do the will of God. And when we live out in the will of God, Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, that that is the best place for us to be. He doesn't just call it perfect. He does call it perfect. But he says even more than that, when we live in God's will, we find that his will is good and his will is pleasing. And when we're in the center of his will, that's when we find that perfect spot, that place that not only pleases God, but pleases us. And can I tell you something? This is, this is kind of a freebie. I don't, I don't even really have this in the notes, but the Bible tells us, I think it might be Hebrews. Dan or Jack can correct me later if I'm wrong, Eric. It talks about the fact that if you have tasted and, and you fall away, <laughs> if you've been there, you know anybody like that? And it seems like they have turned their back on God and turned their back on his will and turned their back on his word. Not a good spot to be in. Why? Because God's love never ceases to try to get you back. And sometimes you can look at people and seemingly people that maybe they've never never been to church, never read God's word. They don't know Christ. And it seems like they're just free and easy. And yet, when people who have seemingly been a part of God and the things of God, when they kind of fall away, what, they just seem to be going, why is it so difficult? Why? Because they, they know there's something down deep that never quite goes away. This is where I'm supposed to be. And they will always live in the difficulty of not being in the will of God. I've seen enough people in my life who probably knew that God had placed a call on their life 
and they decided not to listen to that call on their life, and they have struggled with life ever since. It starts with listening. Listen. Who are you listening to? Prioritize listening for God. Prioritize it. Make it a priority. Make it an important part of your life. And then put yourself in a position to hear from God. I hope, I hope and trust and pray and believe that you can hear from God when you are here. In fact, I've kind of staked my life and my livelihood on the fact that this makes a difference. But this is not the only place where God speaks to you. God doesn't want to speak to you on Sunday and then go six days with no talky-talky. And then we'll come back on Sunday and we'll speak again. He wants communication even tomorrow, on Tuesday, on Wednesday. If you put yourself in a position to hear from God, you will hear from Him. And He will speak to you, especially if you know Him. He speaks to you in so many different ways. I can't get into that. That's just, but just, he has spoken to me in a movie theater. Not necessarily when I'm watching The Passion of the Christ. (laughs) He spoke to me through that, but there are other movies, and all of a sudden you just find yourself, and there's something about the Spirit of God where he can use things. Now, know this. The will of God can never go against the word of God. Okay? The will of God can never go against the word. So you can't come and say, well, I really kind of feel like God's leading me, and then share something that goes totally against what God's word says. Can't happen. It's impossible for God to do that. His will cannot go against his word. But if we will listen for him, we will hear him speak. Sometimes you've got to shut the other voices down, but listen. And John says, if you know him, you're listening. He keeps going, dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not, do you see where John's getting just a little older, where he's getting just to the point where he says, you know what, I don't really care what you think, I'm going to put down what I know. It's going to hurt you a little bit, I'm going to step on your toes, but here goes. Anyone who does not love does not know God. So you can say, evidently, well, you know, I'm just not a loving person. Okay. John says, you don't know God. Anyone who does not love. Now, have you ever heard the phrase, well, I love them, but I don't like them. Come on. Well, I love them, I just don't like them. Well, John says, look, if you love, love is from God. Love is God. It's his essence. So if if we're really God followers, if we're really God's people, it's almost like we cannot help but love. And he says, if you don't love, then please, please stop claiming to know God. Because Jesus said they'll know you're my followers by the way that you love. 
God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. Now, if you're having any question as to who wrote this book, okay, because it's not signed, but if there's any doubt, just read that verse and you realize that at that point, John stopped writing and he thought back to another portion of scripture that he had written. John chapter 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. He just kind of reshapes that verse. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we loved God. We can't be patting ourselves on the back saying, oh, yep, I love God. I'm a pretty good person. He says, come on, man. That's not love. Real love is the fact that he loved us. And he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. God showed us his love. God sent us his love. Wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. Grew up to live a perfect life, but then sacrificed that life so that we could know the forgiveness of sin so that we could know eternal life. Love. Love. Are you, are you a follower of Christ? Do you claim to have a relationship with God? Then we listen and we love. But he keeps going. Now, you know what? Actually, before I get to that, let me just mention one more thing. Love means that we love God. The second thing it means is that we love ourselves. Doesn't mean you don't try to get better. Doesn't mean you're not trying to improve. Doesn't mean you're not trying to live out the best version of you that God created you to be. But remember that Jesus said he wants you to love your neighbor as you love what? yourself, right? If you don't love you, you're going to have a hard time loving your neighbor. Doesn't mean you don't stop trying to improve, being your best, striving for excellence, getting better. But love who God made you. Unfortunately, in this day and age, with all of those hundreds of TV stations, with all of the thousands of friends, with all of the social media that so much of us are not only attracted to but attached to on our daily lives, we wind up comparing ourselves to a lot of people, don't we? And you're seeing the best from somebody else's life and you're like, oh, I wish I was them. God didn't create you to be them. God created you to be you. Be the best you that you can be. And love who he created you to be because he says the way you're going to prove that you love me is by how you love others. And you need to love others as much as you love yourself. Okay, we keep going. Verse 11. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God, what's the next word? Lives in us, 
And his love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we, what's the next word? Live in him. Help me out here. You can tell I'm kind of needing your assistance, all right? So join, join with us here. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they, what's the next word? Live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we've put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. But we can face him with confidence because we, like Jesus, here in this world. He says if you're a follower of God, you listen, you love, you live. You live like Jesus. Now, are we ever going to get to that place of perfection? No. But that's what we pursue. We live. We live to be the best version of us that we can be. We live to have the fullest life that God allows us to have. Jesus himself said in John chapter 10, verse 10, I have come to give them life and life to the full. He wants you to enjoy life because you were created to give God glory. That's what your life is for. How awesome that John in this portion of scripture gives us a purpose for living. He gives us a purpose. We live to try to be like Jesus. We live for the glory of God. We live to let God's glory shine through us. We live to make a difference in other people. Live. Live. Monday morning, live. Live your best life. How many of you live for the weekend. You live for Friday. Tomorrow you'll be like, oh, only four more days. We've even named a certain day in the middle of the week because it just kind of helps us get over the hump. It's called hump day. Oh, Wednesday. Now I can see the end of another week. We've got to get to Friday. And we've kind of erased Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. We leave Wednesday. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We just kind of like, well, just get those done with. Get me to Friday. No. Live life to the full, even tomorrow, so that when your feet hit the floor in the morning, you can say, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. You don't even know what the day's going to bring. But you're going to rejoice in advance for what God's going to do and the life he's given you to live because you're going to live it to the best of your ability for his glory. We live in him. You love God? You claim to be his follower? Then we listen. We love. We live. And there's a final thing here that John gives to us in this passage. He says in verse 18, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. 
Such love has no fear because perfect love expels, gets rid of all fear. What is the only perfect love that has ever existed? The love of God, right? And so John is saying that perfect love gets rid of that fear, pushes out that fear. Paul, the apostle, would say to his young son, Timothy, when he was writing to him, he says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and sound mind. Perfect love gets rid of that fear. And the more that we allow the love of God to become part of our lives, the more we can expel that fear from our mind and our heart. Even in this day and age, I mean, we, we're facing, you know, I'm sure you've seen the news and every, you know, breaking news. Of course, every night they have breaking news, it seems like, on 11 o'clock hits, and they have breaking news right at 11.01, but everything's breaking news, and all the major, they're covering this coronavirus. And we've, we've had the first uh, death in the United States. It's, it's a little scary, a little frightening. Now, I would say to you, uh, um, number one, I would say that we listen. We listen to our leaders. We listen to those who know more than we do, okay? Medical people know more than I do about medical things. I can sound very authoritative and knowledgeable. I don't know squat, okay? And neither do the American people. Did you realize I made a joke about it a couple weeks ago? But 38% of Americans believe that the coronavirus is actually related to Corona beer. I was on CNN, 38%. I'm like, ay, ay, ay. Now, evidently, there are some people who feel that the remedy for the coronavirus is Corona beer, but that's another story. <clears throat> Here's the deal. You need to realize, nearly 5,000 people have died from the flu, regular flu. 5,000 people. That's a lot. So we need to be listening for those precautions too, right? You need to be taking care of yourself and all that good kind of stuff. But, but you can't help, again, when you hear the voices, it's a little frightening. So doesn't mean that you're not prepared. Doesn't mean that you're not watching. Doesn't mean that you're not doing everything you can. But John actually does say to us, hey, look, this perfect love can help diminish the fear. Because while you may not know all about tomorrow, and you may not be able to control tomorrow, you can know the one who does control tomorrow. And so John says, this perfect love that God gives, it can cast out that fear. This really wasn't the point, but I just wanted to throw that out for you. Then he says, we love each other because he loved us first. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command, those who love God must also love their fellow believers. 
If you are a God follower, you need to listen, you need to love, you need to live, but you also need to let go. Let go. Let it go, let it go. You gotta let it go. You say, let what go? He says that we can't hate. Hate is not a part of who we are as believers in Christ. And, and here, here, here's the deal. I've, I've known people, and I, I think you've known people too, who at one point professed love for someone. There was a relationship there. And now the person that that love was professed for, now there's hate. I hate that person. I hate that ex. I hate, I hate my mom. I hate my dad. I hate my sister. I hate my brother. I hate, and maybe it's somebody else, somebody at work. Somebody that lives near you. How does hate become part of our lives? Let me give you an example as we close. And I'm, I'm going to use marriage. But I need you to understand that this, this example can be for any relationship. And this is what John is saying. You, you can't claim that you love God and hate somebody else. You can't hate a believer in Christ and claim that, yeah, I love God, cannot happen, doesn't exist. So I want uh, JD and, and Kim, I've asked them if they would help me out on this uh, illustration. And uh, just, just come on up here, guys, and, and one of you stand on this side, and then, and then one, of you, one of you stand uh, right on one side and right on the other side. They're, they're kind of standing right in the midst. Of, here's, here's this Here's this garden, okay? This is representing our relationships, okay? And God, when he first created, what did he do? He created a garden, and he put two people in there. He gave relationships. There's something about relationships in a garden that God brought together. And so Adam and Eve were part of that. Well, so th this is a married couple. But again, this, this can go to any, any relationship that we're we're talking about. And, and what happens? Well, what happens is everything starts out great, okay? So JD and Kim, they just got married and, you know, they're happy and, and all that kind of thing and everything's going great. Um, and, and I'm just using examples, okay? I, I don't know this, all right? I'm just using examples, okay? But let's just say that... Uh, Let's just say that J.D. was, you know, when they were dating, he was the life of the party. He just, he'd walk in a room and, you know, everybody knew J.D. and Kim loved that about J.D. And he was just, you know, he was always, had something to share, had something to, and now they've been married for a few years and Kim's like, why can't he shut up? He just talks all the time. And she has this offense that's kind of building up. But she doesn't say anything about it. She just kind of lets it go and just kind of, just kind of put it into that oh, right there. 
She takes that offense, and the devil just kind of keeps reminding her, and she drives that offense into the ground. Now, J.D., J.D., well, he, he liked that Kim was, you know, kind of soft-spoken. <laughs> he liked the fact that, you know, she always kind of referred to him and asked him his opinion and everything, but she was, you know... She liked, he liked the fact that she was quiet and that kind of thing, but, but now he can't, he asks her questions and she doesn't respond. She doesn't, she's always on her phone, she's always busy, and she doesn't, she just doesn't have time for him, and, and he's like, what in the world? And he takes that, and he drives that offense down into the ground. Kim, Kim used to have big birthdays when she was growing up, and, and she'd get up and and, and she'd have a, a cake and all that kind of thing. Before she even went off to school, somebody would sing happy birthday. And uh, so she was all, you know, that's the way she grew up. That, that was her birthdays. And her first birthday comes after they've been married. And J.D. says, hey, we're going to go to Ramshorn tonight. And then he kisses her on the forehead, says happy birthday, and just leaves. And she's like, wait a second. That's not how I celebrate my birthday. And she kind of takes that offense and she drives it into the ground. And you're like, well, come on now, Kim, you know, grow up. I mean, it's ram's horn. It's a good meal. But, you know, she keeps getting that brought up, keeps remembering that, keeps thinking about that. And for JD, something else happens, you know. Kim, Kim decides that she wants a dog, so they buy a dog. And J.D.'s the one that's taking out the dog and taking care of the dog and feeding the dog because Kim's off selling cars all the time. And, and then she wants another dog. And then, wait a second, that's, that's my life. I'm sorry. <coughs> I'm sorry. I got a little too personal there. Drives that stake into the ground. And it's one thing after another. And we keep driving these offenses. Colossians chapter 3 verse 13 says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And the problem is, they're these little things that just keep bothering us. And before you know it, Kim is here and JD is back here and they've allowed these offenses to drive a wedge in between them. And what started out as just a small thing now has grown into a wall that divides people that said that they loved each other. Still want to go to Ramshorn? <laughs> what do you got to do? And here's the thing, for some of you, you've got probably some relationships where there's some walls. You gotta let go. You gotta, what do you gotta do? Let go. Kim takes one out, she's like, I'm not gonna let this get in between us. 
you got to let it go. JD takes it out, one brick at a time, one plank at a time, one thought at a time. You've got to let it go. Why? Why do we let it go? Because if there's one person who should have been offended by what we are, who should have been offended by our actions, who should have been offended by our attitudes, who should have been offended by what we say. If there was one person who should have been offended but wasn't and instead took all those offenses and put on himself, took them all on himself and said, you know what, if you'll trust in me, I'll let him go. And he's the one whose example we have to follow if we really love God. Thanks, you guys. Give them a good hand, would you? Now, again, I'm not saying, please don't think that I'm saying you become some kind of an enabler, okay? And I'm not talking about situations of abuse or anything like that. I'm talking about how the devil can take some pretty simple things in our life and allow us to become offended. And one thing adds up to another thing, adds up to another thing. You know, I mean, my wife, my wife and I, we're at 30, 33 years. We've had a few arguments in 33 years. A couple times where we have disagreed, okay? She believes that shopping is a spiritual gift. <laughs> I have looked through scripture and have yet to find it. It's kind of fulfilling to her. Sometimes it's not as fulfilling to me. We, we have our... But you want to know what can happen? You can easily get a wedge that's driven down in there. And all of a sudden, a relationship that once was a marriage, a relationship between parents and kids, a relationship between siblings, a friendship, somebody at work that you used to hang out with and go to lunch with, somebody at school that you used to share a locker with, but something happened and you took, they took, he took, she took offense. And instead of letting it go, we build a fence. And there's division. John says, if you are a follower, you claim to be a Christian, you've got to let those things go. And John would know. Because even when there were 12 of them walking with Jesus, there... There were some times when they got offended. John and James were part of that. It was their mommy that wanted one on the right hand and one on the left hand of Jesus. And the other disciples found out that, and they were like, who, who do they think they are? Enough of a disagreement ensued that Jesus kind of had to say, all right, boys, listen. And he used it as an opportunity to 
teach a lesson. But John's been through it enough to know, hey, it's just not worth it. Let it go. Let it go. Follower of Christ, we listen, we love, we live, we let go. Can you give that back to me one time just so I know you've got it? What's the first thing we do? We listen, then we love, then we, and then we let go. You'll never hear that song again without thinking of this message, will you? Let it go. Yeah. Bow your heads together with me in prayer. Uh, Father, easier said than done. And I am mindful of that. So oftentimes, Lord, what we have to let go is, I think, unintentional. Sometimes, Lord, it's unmet expectations, but it's also expectations that we've never mentioned and we haven't communicated. So help us to be mindful, Lord, of what is on us to start with, what we need to let go of. And Father, may we find ourselves, if we claim to follow you, may we find ourselves endeavoring to listen more with our heart, with our head, endeavoring to love you more and show that love by loving others, endeavoring to live for your glory, and endeavoring to let go. Let go. We want to make a difference, Father. We can only do that in your strength and your power. So we pray for that, and we thank you for the promise of it, that you who live in us is greater than anything else that's in the world. May we claim the victory that we sang about earlier because of that. We thank you, Lord, for loving us, for meeting with us here today. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said... Amen.